Welcome back, perfect peeps, to perfect.dev. Today, we are talking all about making state management domain agnostic with DRXJS. I'm hoping I got that right, because we have Zach D. Rose on the show today. Hey, y'all. Was that, was oh, that close? Thanks or so much for having me. Fancy cool. your name for the DRXJS. Yeah. Awesome. So. So there's an interesting story behind that. Um, it was it, so it was actually at ng-conf. Um, Max, actually, a friend of mine, <laughs> made a joke about renaming myself to to drxjs. My, my last name's DeRose, so <laughs> that's kind of where the that that planted the seed. But like the the name drxjs and the the idea of using rxjs without using it. <laughs> like drxjs that's that's kind of the the theme of the the library i'm trying to set up so it works well that's <laughs> yeah, pretty clever um speaking of the library uh, i'll i'll show off some things as we go along um it's an interesting pattern that uh, zach has put together so we're going to be breaking it all down and i think there's more to it than just the library it's it's almost like a concept too but before we get into all of that craziness I kind of just want to let our listeners and our viewers know a little bit more about you, Zach. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and kind of some some fun personal things, too? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a senior engineer and engineering manager at Narwhal. So we build NX, if you're familiar with that. Um, extremely long on NX, as well as RxJS, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm a father of six, a grandfather of two, so... What? Big family, big family man. Maybe older it's, than I look. Yeah, you don't look that old. Always very proud of it. That's that's why I said some personal things because I I feel like every photo I've seen of you and I've tried to find like an individual photo of you. It's always with a family man. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that like at the core of who I am, like that's that's it. Is the is my family. So yeah, I'm glad that comes through in, my, in terms of my like whatever my web footprint <laughs> i feel like between you and frosty like all of the west coast is covered i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> between the two of us we got a lot of kids yeah exactly um both working on angular stuff often so. both working on angular stuff we're both kind of interested in real estate me, me and my brother actually have a, a real estate business that we we're running at the moment too and you know frosty does some of that too so we nice. talk about it actually so. that's awesome um, yeah, and uh, I guess as far as the, the Norwal piece or the NX piece, you have a, a special guest that you seem to keep on your wall behind you there. <laughs> Any introduction to, to this person? Yes, this is Jeff Cross, uh, CEO of Norwal. He watches over me. <laughs> we're, so we're, we're in the, we're in the uh, Norwal Phoenix office right now. So nice. Jeff will probably be coming in in a little bit. It's still early here. So. Yeah, it's super early out there. Cool. Well, that's great. I guess uh, that's awesome review of kind of how it, it got you to this point. But like, what is this DRXJS thing? Can you break it down a little bit for us? Sure. Um, and I, I want to make sure we're conversational on this too. So yeah. interrupt me if something doesn't make sense. Because this is, this is uh, anytime you talk about RxJS, it gets kind of hard without trying to nail it down to some discrete details. But um, in general, I'm extremely long on RxJS. Um, in particular, like just um, how domain agnostic it is. 
So, like, um, you know, you, you asked me about my primary motivation for creating the package. Um, I think a lot of it actually comes from uh, some of the work we do at Narwhal is helping people migrate their code from, like, a legacy uh, JavaScript system to a, a more modern one. Usually it's, you know, AngularJS to Angular. Um, and just seeing uh, from that how much of that code, like, the, there's... There's some waste involved in that, right? Like these these are often like really large undertakings, and the industry has gotten better at you know uh, figuring out how to do it and how to do it well. You know, I've I've kind of figured out how to do it, how to do it well, but still there's still a lot of waste even if you can do it really efficiently. So like um, in my in my old podcast, we talk a lot about trying to identify the carousels of tech and trying to jump a rotation. And, and this is kind of a goal at trying to accomplish that, seeing, hey, there is, like, this, this cycle where we went from AngularJS to Angular, that's <laughs> probably going to happen again. Like, at some point, this stuff's going to go stale. Um, maybe React will go stale sometime in the future. You know, uh, React seems pretty strong, actually. But, like, a, a lot of these frameworks are, like, rising and falling as we go. And I've, I've only been in this industry for, like, six years, and I've seen kind of, like, that rotation happen. Yeah, I mean, we've all lived through like jQuery, right? I mean, it, yeah. it was the the framework, if you will, and now it's all changed. Yeah, yeah, and and um, depending on how your code bases are set up, like they, there's potentially very little you can actually bring over to to you know framework 2.0. So. Um, in many ways, like um, what, what we're trying to accomplish, you know, we say domain agnostic, but really what we're trying to accomplish is, is write some code that uh, that goes down to maybe more the core of of like the actual thing, <laughs> right? Sure. So, like uh, in in my article, we look at like the tic tac toe example, and uh, I use this one because. Um, I think uh, Ken C. Dodds kind of goes through this in his Epic React course, like the the tic tac toe thing. I think the he he uses the example uh, teaching React hooks, which um, I, I'm actually you know, I'm I'm a I'm also a GDE and Angular, but I'm like I'm actually like really fond of React, uh, just kind of ancillarily, just because it's very domain agnostic in a lot of things, like in its templating, in the way it kind of sets up. Um, you know the logic. The the only thing it, I I think it's like not particularly domain agnostic in is state management. So, um, you, you know we have the uh, uh, we have the drxjs package um, for React. It's in, uh, you know the the goal of that is kind of to take a very domain agnostic um, library in React, but backfill in the the piece I think is maybe not as domain agnostic in the state management. So um, at, at the core of DRXJS is like this, this idea of the view model. Like this is, this is like this adapter uh, separating out your code base between state management on the one side and like your view concerns on the other. And um, you know, we, we, have uh, we have the three packages. One is the view model. <laughs> and that's, the view model package is actually simply a, a TypeScript interface. That's all it is. And all it is is um, your, your view model is some function that returns an observable. <laughs> like, it's, it's, not, it's not that, um, it's not that uh, complicated, hopefully. <laughs> is, is the TypeScript side of that, like, an important piece? Can you run that without TypeScript for those non 
type script lovers. <laughs> sure. I'm like, well, I, I mean, script, but... yeah, yeah. Well, so the um, the the view model uh, package itself is simply an interface. So when you transpile it, it goes to nothing. Sure. So you can oh, use no. it if you're if you're not using TypeScript. I guess nice. <laughs> it's not going to do much for you. <laughs> nice. And I, yeah. I think uh, kind of some of what you're talking about right now, and Brittany like loves this concept too, like mm. getting back to the core of just JavaScript in a way, right? Exactly. I mean, we're kind of mm. pulling out of frameworks more and more. Svelte's trying to attempt to kind of get back to, you know, just JavaScript at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Is that is that where this package is kind of leading as well? Oh, yes. Yes, okay. yes. I, I, the, and it's not me. Like to, to be clear, this is this is RxJS that I think is is that vehicle. Um, my package is just simply like setting up a framework on top of that to to maybe help you as you're writing, you know, maybe as more as a as a practical means. Like let's let's take this really powerful tool, uh, really domain agnostic tool, and let's let's put some some simple uh, practical utilities on top of it, and let's go from there. So can we the, take? Step oh, back okay. too and like say, what is RxJS? So I know it's about <laughs> yeah, observables, yeah. but what is RxJS? Sure, sure. So RxJS is, um, I want to do it justice. RxJS is a package for uh, writing reactive code. And it's um, the, the way I like to think of reactive code um, is, is timelines. So when you think of, when you think of an observable, uh, you you actually think of observable events over time. So if you if you go back to like a history book <laughs> when when we were back in school and you see like hi- history of the Revolutionary War, you see these of discrete events on a timeline with like a and date. And you're observing attached. them. Exactly. So so as you're going through, you kind of like observe these events. Uh, but uh, we're actually we're actually taking a step up from that. Like we're we're a dimension above that, looking down and seeing that all in one in one flattened like object like the the that's what the timeline is for us so when we when we use rxjs it's it's allowing us to think of our applications kind of uh taking a step up from that being the student looking down at the page seeing the whole revolutionary war but very discreetly and like precisely laid out in terms of you know how these events happened and that gives you a bigger picture of of how to do that and then um you know so, so that's maybe the observable. The observable is the timeline. What RxJS actually gives you, um, and, and you know, RxJS has an implementation of the observable pattern, but the observable pattern is not you know, exclusive to RxJS. It's just like one implementation of that. But the thing that RxJS does really well is taking that timeline and, figuring, and give, giving you a really good tool set of composing other timelines from other timelines. <laughs> so that's, if, if, if we're, you know, I always think about these things in terms of dimensions, but this like, the, the way those things unfold, is like super powerful. So yeah, if, if you're looking at my, my article there, um, I gave my timelines talk at RxJS Live in 2021. So I'm, I'm pretty fond of that one. But we, it, we talk about like, here's, um, here's um, a timeline of mouse clicks. And we go from that, and we, we actually use operators, so taking timelines and turning them into different timelines, um, to turn that into something to something meaningful, like how, a click counter, and going from that to, well, how many clicks have happened in the last 
five seconds, and, and we can keep going off of that. And um, it, it's extremely, one of the reasons I'm so long on this, uh, particularly in front end, is if you think about the front end environment, it's kind of like this, this ocean of unexpected events happening at unexpected times. Like uh, back end, maybe, at least the back end I've worked on, a lot of it is request handlers. Like it's this very ex expectable, you know, some sequence of events that's going to happen. That's, that's not the case when you're in front end where user could go this way or that way or, you know, the user is, is maybe a, a timeline in itself. But, um, but yeah, uh, being able to take that and compose something meaningful out of it um, elegantly is, is where, like, that's the power of ArcsJS. And, um, yeah, um, there, the, there are some cons with ArcsJS. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with them, but, um, yeah. Do, uh, I think I'd the biggest thing is trying to tell, like, new people into Angular, like, the most, the, the most difficult part is going to be to learn ArcsJS. So mm. <laughs> I love ArcsJS after you understand it. Like, I use it all the time um, yeah. in everything, but it's, it's kind of a lot to take in when you go from, like, a promise-based like JavaScript code to something new like this. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's um, it's definitely a different paradigm. But there, I think once you get it, it's like this is huge payoff. But there is a huge buy-in cost. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, um, I, I went down an interesting path learning ArcGIS. Um, I, I found the behavior subject, and I was like, yeah. oh yes, <laughs> like yeah. I could do this. So, so behavior subject is like um, it's an observable itself, but you can also call dot value on it to like get value. And I was like, oh, that's cool! I can do this everywhere. And so I was actually like subscribing to behavior subjects, and inside the subscription, calling next on other behavior subjects. And I was kind of like backfilling operators at the time, but it like it worked up until a certain point where I got into this really bad case with uh <laughs> with forms <laughs> and of course forms are in there too but that that was that was really tough and i was like this is powerful but it's so it's so dangerous yeah. it's so dangerous to do it wrong because you get you get like lost in this conspiracy theory web of what's going on <laughs> i feel like uh rxjs the the two biggest things i've always heard um subscriptions leaky subscriptions is always mm. kind of the biggest one people forgot forget to unsubscribe or, or whatever on that side of it. And then um, the second one is always, once you kind of head down this paradigm, like every piece of your code has to be coming. And I don't think that's necessarily true either. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a challenge once you're in that mode of thinking. But um, so yeah, to kind of steer it back to like the DRXJS, uh, I'm gonna bring up the, the view model pattern and again, we're kind of outlining this talk off of two wonderful things that Zach put out on uh, Dev2. So we've got links to those too if you just want to read through it as well. But I'll, I'll bring that back up. So let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Like what is the view model pattern as we break this down? Yeah, so um, like we said, the, the view model pattern, the, the idea behind it is like a function that returns uh, an observable. So if, if we're looking at this, um, this is uh, so, sort of a black box is kind, of, is kind of the idea. So we have some inputs we pass in. So those are, those are parameters to our function. And we're going to use that to parameterize you know, how the output is supposed to look. So oftentimes these inputs will actually be observables themselves. Uh, but 
Uh, they could also be functions. They could also be just data. Uh, different ways of further parameterizing, you know, how how your how your end observable looks. But but at, at the the goal at the end of it is to have that single observable coming out, so that as that one timeline. So so think of that output circle on the screen as the the single timeline. Um, the only thing we have to worry about by the time we get that output is creating HTML based off the events we, we observe on the timeline. So, so in, in like the most basic example, if I needed to do like three different fetch calls of three different data sets to make mm -hmm. my HTML page, that's kind of that output is all one thing coming out? Exactly. So, okay. so your, your, fetch, your fetches could be three promises, actually, to, to, the, to the function. And you could have a single observable coming back. So you'd say, um, you know, it, and we can kind of like, uh, we could go into details about how we should handle those three separate fetch accounts, or those three separate fetches. Like, I imagine we probably want, want to run them in parallel, but they're not going to come back all at the same time. Right. So that, that output observable would probably be, you know, at the start, we just have, you know, full loading, full loading screen. But then as we get those um, those responses back, and we're not sure which order it would be, we can have, we could represent those, each as different states, uh, each as a different object being emitted from our observable. And um, so so if you think about it, this is this is a great way of, of thinking about that, that crux between the logic and the view. So that when we're writing the view, when we're writing our HTML, and it doesn't have to be HTML. <laughs> that's that's one of the interesting things about it too. But assuming we're in we're in Webland and we're writing HTML, um, we we can separate this out so that um, we can think only about well. Let, let me render HTML based on the the most recent event I observed, and that's like that's what that's that's what we're going for. Is is very simple. Let's let's write HTML based on that output. And then on the other side of that is figuring out all those concerns, but those should be black box, a black box to our HTML. There's no connection between that and the, the actual fetches. So um, in one step, we write the state management to say, here's how that observable should be created. On the other side, we consume the observable and say, here's the HTML that should be rendered based on the, the most recent observed event. So. Does, does this allow for, um, I'm lacking the word right now, but like, breaking up of a monolithic like page so it has like different component types so i'm thinking in react like if you have seven components on a page are you going to yeah. have this kind of model view pattern come in and have where this html diamond down here is then those seven different components or would you yes. have this in each of those yes yes so so part three of this article series is going to be recursing on this pattern okay so so a lot of this right now is uh if we look at um at our uh, uh part two a lot of that is the the second step of that but part one is all creating the um the state management and that's actually like kind of involved and there's, there's interesting stuff we can do on that side as well. But part two is like, let's just take that observable now that we have it and let's make our tic-tac-toe game in vanilla JS. Let's make it in Angular, let's make it in React. Um, and it's it's quite simple, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, yeah, so there we go. So there's our, our tic-tac-toe view model. So we see we, we have the three inputs. Um, two of them are observables themselves, two of them are, uh, user clicking on you know one of the squares in our tic-tac-toe box and uh, the other one is a user clicking the reset button so those could actually be a one observable if you wanted but let's we'd break it out to two because i don't know it's 
It's it's nice to show that because more observables are better. Everyone knows that. Exactly. But then, <laughs> so so we further parameterize this with a with an AI function uh, as a parameter to to this specific tic tac toe view model as well. So the the AI function is um, given given a, a state of our board, so like a tic tac toe board, like a three by three matrix essentially, and then uh, the AI also needs to know like which of the letters it is. Is it X or O? Um, we will then uh, <laughs> the, that function just says, okay, this is what the AI will do. So uh, the 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 image you're showing on screen here, this is actually a deterministic function of that. It just says. Um, and, and we use this for testing. We say, uh, for testing purposes, we're going to pass in an AI that always, like, it just kind of scans left to right and then, then down and picks the first, uh, the first ever space. Um, and that way we can test it because it's reliable. Like, we can, we can run this in our testing to, to, to run our, our timeline tests. But um, sure. when we actually do the actual implementation, instead of... Um, just like doing a deterministic uh, AI will always go here. We instead like pass in a, a, a randomizer. So it'll look at, well, what, what spaces are available? Let's pick a random one off of that based on RNG. So um, nice. that, that itself is really powerful, like using functions to parameterize behavior or to parameterize functionality like that. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to call that out specifically in the article and, and, and here as well is like, that that ability to func uh, parameterize functionality is like, like that's that's super powerful in terms of like you, you can do polymorphism with that essentially, you know. But yeah. um, if you think about like uh, the observables as our input, like those like that's that's uh, we're, we're passing in a timeline there, and and that can be like any kind of future, any kind of future we could pass in, and and it's like an object. To, to think about that entire future. And so we're, we're, we're giving our function, our, our view model function here, the ability to you know, completely parameterize its behavior based off you know, any possible future. So again, that's not, that's not the ArxJS, that's all ArxJS, but it, like, it, it speaks to why I'm, 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 so, I'm so long on this. So, yeah, for sure. I, I can definitely see like the, the passion coming out of you for the RxJS side of this. So it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'll, I'm going to switch over to your, to your part two, though. So it, it kind of clicks in maybe a little further for people. Sure. Um, so let me bring that up as well. Um, I think immediately like you start thinking RxJS, so it must be Angular. And kind of your first example is that it's an Angular one. But I think the oh, more... I think the first one's React actually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> the first one's React, and then the next one's Angular. But the one I I wanted to get to is this one because yeah. I feel like the vanilla JS all of a sudden it's like oh, like we're not we're not even in a framework anymore. Absolutely. And, and you're kind of using the same uh, same methodology, and I'm just gonna I don't know. If, if you want to just like this. yeah, there we go. <laughs> we don't need to watch my article. We can go just this template. <laughs> Yeah, so this this stack blitz is is basically showing how this functions. So if I I click a box, mm -hmm. the AI kind of fires off after a couple seconds, and it starts doing exactly what Zach was talking about. So it's kind of cool to see this in practice in every single framework, essentially. And I guess like at this point, Brittany's probably going to have to write it and spell. I I think 
just to, you know, prove another one. Yeah, I've, I'm super long on Svelte, Brittany, but I haven't been in it. So I'd be really interested to hear, like, its support for ArxJS. Yeah, I, I've never touched ArxJS, so uh, I, I would be something I would have to learn first, I would think. <laughs> I think ArxJS is super fun to learn, and it's super powerful to know. Uh, mm. I would say the one thing, and I'm kind of curious how it fits with the, the DRxJS uh, package as well, the one problem that I often hear with it is the debugability or like being able to mm. pause throughout and return to a specific state. Do you have any thoughts around that for this package? I, I do actually. Um, so the one of the issues with it is um, when you use RxJS, um, a lot of your um, I don't I don't want to say legacy debugging, but like the the standard debugging, like the the way you usually like use the the dev tools to like set breakpoints. Um, that just kind of gets lost a little bit just in in the in the implementation of ArxJS because essentially what happens is the the call stack gets flooded by by your operators and you know each operator is essentially a function taking an observable and returning a new one. And so you're 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 gonna have a bad time if you're trying to if you're trying to find a bug in your RxJS and you're trying to look at that. So um, and you know there there's been some cool efforts to to build some better development tools around that. Like I know in in some backend um, other paradigms, you know there's there's really good debugging tools for like uh, analyzing your streams. And you know the the concept of observables isn't that far off from that. So I, I think there's definitely potential there. Um, with my package, I actually uh, want to take a different approach, though. Uh, so rather than um, trying to give um, you know better debugging tools for when you have a bug, I want to I want to change the conversation so we catch the bug before it happens. Um, and I think the way to do this is uh, via like this kind of timeline testing. So um, uh, Alex, if you could maybe pull up the uh, that that image we were looking at from from part one, where we saw just the parameters and the observable coming out. I'm, I'm um, scrolling through like crazy. My <laughs> sorry, it's a long one. <laughs> but yeah, here, we're getting into some of the timeline tests here. But if, if we if we go back up to like the, the very top of all this, where we just saw the um, how the how the pattern breaks down, maybe a little further up. Uh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Right, right. So the um, the idea for this. So so you know we're on the other half of the of the graph right now. We're we're looking at filling out the black box, um, based on the the observables coming in, and and of course the the function coming in as well. Um, we can actually set up like like we were talking about timelines uh, as inputs to this function. So we we can take any kind of input for our our click events. And, um, and any kind of input, any kind of timeline for our reset events, and we can define, okay, based off, based off the observables we got passed in, what should the behavior look like coming out? And um, uh, typically you call this like marble diagrams, and they get a really bad rap. <laughs> they're, they're kind of hard syntax to look at and read and write. But at the core, I think is this really powerful idea that I think just needs a little bit better execution. So, um, so this this is kind of getting into this. So so uh, on screen there, if you want if we want to look at that, this is maybe like the first uh, test case. So a, an an input zero. If um, if no uh, users uh, perform any events, um, we just have the output down at the bottom where we have sort of an initial state and it just 
just kind of goes <laughs> like nothing happens, right? But uh, let's let's look at our next test case, and we can see like so. Here is a test case, uh, another very simple one, where we just have a user clicking a single time on on the middle button. Um, so we, we say based on this, uh, based on these two inputs coming in, this is what the output should look like. So here's our, you know, here's our, um, our uh, output. We start with a, an initial state of nothing, uh, or the, the starting state. Then as soon as the user clicks, we should immediately see, like, the, the, our state should represent, okay, there's something in the middle button. And then two seconds later, we should see the AI come in. And the AI is going to be behave deterministically in our test because we parameterized it to behave that way. So it'll always go to that top left. So based on that, here's, like, here's, a, here's a test that should tell us you know, whether our code's working properly or not. So, uh, and, and we, we continue this pattern in the article. Um, <laughs> ad absurdum, maybe. Like we go through complete whole test cases where we go through the... Um, the whole game of tic-tac-toe and make sure like if if i win it says i win if the if the ai wins it says they win and kind of going through like that but um i, I want to just bring up real quick because sometimes the rx marbles thing gets lost in people so let me make this a little mm -hmm. bigger but um so this is this is an example of what zach's talking about and if you're yeah. dealing with rxjs like this becomes kind of the thing you go back to so this is uh, an example of uh, a function called combine latest and there's two different streams happening here there's one with a one on it and another one with letters on it and as you pass this one in you, you can see at the bottom it's actually combining these two so it goes from one a and then all of a sudden it becomes one b as it, it combines the second and the third and this yeah, is yeah. kind of the way to think about uh, rxjs and and some of its functions and you go through a ton of these and it at first i was like this is total bs for lack of a better word like <laughs> this doesn't make any sense and then once you start to use it you start to realize okay i, I see what they're trying to actually present here so that's a lot of what what zach's kind of going through as well yeah and that, that's that interactivity you had there where you, as you change the the like the timeline yeah. you were going back at Alex and rewriting time i know it, it was wild back to the future stuff <laughs> exactly but then yeah and seeing that seeing that update in real time like that's really cool just to see okay this is like that's what we're defining we're, we're defining um in terms of our state management how things should work so so going back to the, like the the issue of debugging and finding out errors in your code um by by uh detaching sort of this this logic from our view the the goal is saying let's let's test our logic let's let's we can run that logic um uh, separate from our view entirely and a convenient way to do that you know, and you know for for automating to make sure uh, going forward you know things things still work uh, uh unit tests make a really good use case for that and sort of these marble tests and I, I've got a hot take on this too. Um, just uh, and this, this may like be that. a hot take for people in the ArcGIS community. But if if you don't need marble diagrams, you may not need ArcGIS. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that is a hot take. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the funny thing is, or, or I don't know, the irony of it is. Once you start down ArcGIS, my mind never shuts off from it, and that's mm. the hard part. Like. I've even gone and written like 
like Firebase things that should just be dynamically pulling data. And I'm like, well, I'm going to bring that in an observable <laughs> because the rest of my pattern is observable. And it gets somewhat out of hand at a certain point. Like if, if your mind only starts to work that way though, like maybe when you're in your Node.js package and you just need one API call to do one thing, you don't necessarily need that. Like it's okay. So mm -hmm. there, there's definitely like points that you really need to think about um, how you're executing with it. Oh yeah. Um, what What would you tell people though, as far as the package that you're writing? Um, how would you explain what it adds to RxJS? Like we've talked a lot yeah. about RxJS, but the pattern itself, and when you go to implement it, and I I think this might be the the kind of second part of your series here. Yeah. Um, when you go to implement that in like a, a standard JavaScript way. What's that adding on top of our RxJS? I don't know if I've put that together in my head yet. Yeah, yeah. So, so what what my package is adding is separation, so you don't have to think about RxJS when you when you're okay. writing your view, right? Like that's that's the goal with um, with React. Angular kind of has this more built in, uh, just with the the abilities it has. It's my Brittany. It's my impression that Svelte has like similar capabilities built into its framework for RxJS as well. Um, so i i know i mean it has the reactivity pieces kind of built in um mm -hmm. i don't know about with state management we have stores in spelt mm -hmm. and i mean technically because it's just javascript that you're writing if rxjs is javascript you could pull in to spelt by using just the javascript so there's not like a like react makes you use kind of reacty stuff to do certain <laughs> things and spelt doesn't have that yeah, but so that's that's a good segue to to what we're trying to do with React. It's it's rather hard to do this in React um, out of the box. So, the the goal with um, DRXJS React package is to say, you know, here's your here's your um, the the observable that came out, like the, the observable we're parsing, um, and so so the, what the package is is essentially just a, a higher order component where you pass in a, a presentational component. And that, that's essentially the React you write. It's just the presentational component. And the pres it's, it's just wiring up that observable. So you can fire, um, so, so the, the uh, presentational component simply parses in the events taken from, uh, from the observable and, and you go from there. Yeah, so there's, there's the app <laughs> if, you're, if you're watching on, on YouTube. Um, so the 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 code you're looking at there, that's actually the view model code. So ideally, you'd be importing this from from some implementation of of the ArcGIS code on the backend side. But if you look at the tic-tac-toe.tsx file, that's where that's where kind of this stuff comes into play. So you'll see the we import the drxjs component. That's our higher order component. And we pass in some parameters to this. We say, here's the view model. And that's just imported from, from that other file we were looking at. And then we say, here's the component. And the, the component's actually uh, down below there. Um, if, you, if you want to scroll down to the presentational oh, component. Gotcha. And uh, StackBlitz doesn't like some of the stuff. I couldn't figure out well, it, it how like to get to like frag fragments. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but uh, there you go. <laughs> It works on the right hand side. Fragment factory. <laughs> I don't know why they factory. do that. It's like, come on. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to like get to the TS config on this. Like that's you know I've asked that before. I never got a straight answer. I think they're I think they're trending in a really cool direction with this though, with their web containers. Um, oh, like totally. We just did a pod on it. Check it out, folks. It's it's yeah. really cool. And check check out some of the stuff with NX with that because that stuff really sings. Yep. I'm I'm really excited on that. But coming back to this, <laughs> coming back to DRXJS. Uh, if you look at this, like if you look at just this function, the tic tac toe view function, this is the presentational component. There's nothing RxJS about this. Um, there's there's nothing RxJS I would argue about this whole file aside from the things you import from externally. So the idea is you, you write this as you would. And there's actually, like, um, I think we use, like, the use ref hook, maybe? Because we need, like, a ref to, to maybe that the buttons. But aside from that, we're not using hooks for state management. And the, we're, we're simply delegating that over to, to our logic side of things. Hmm. And so okay. it, it, the package is doing some RxJS stuff in the back end. But I de- all you're doing, um, well, hopefully all you're doing, <laughs> I, I probably need to iron out some of these things more. But, um, but yeah, so, so look out for you know, version 2.0. But um, uh, what's, once you get this package, um, after passing in your observable, you should be in React land completely. Not thinking about RxJS at all. Just thinking about how do I, how do I write my template for, uh, for the, this this interface, right? This, this object that I, I know what the parameters of it are using TypeScript. So based off that, here's, here's, here's a function that returns uh, HTML. And then, like, that's what I want. Uh, I, I think, like, if, if I can get this package right, I may be moving over to React. <laughs> right now, <laughs> I'm, I'm in Angular because, like, that's, that's a horse I know how to ride. Yeah. But I, I'm putting Angular into a point where I'm using Angular very minimally. Like, I'm using ArcJS for, for almost everything. And uh, this package is taking that and, like, bringing it to, to more people what so more people can enjoy it. for the build step? Like, do yeah. you have to build it or do you run it off of a server and you have to call the server? Or how do, how do you get that data once you're in an actual website? Yeah, so, so once you're in an actual website... Um, you, so uh, this this all compiles down to JavaScript. Okay. So so you you're sending over just static um, you know static uh, files to the to the web server, and that's sending it out to everyone's Perfect. clients. That's so, cool. are you shipping React then? Um, only, only in the React example of this. Only in the React yeah. ones, yeah. because you have to ship React to run the React code in the virtual DOM. Right. So, so right. like the other packages that are delivered, there's one that's just JavaScript, but then the drxjs slash React would ship the React portion. Right. Right. Exactly. And so, so on the other side of things, um, you know, we, we kind of talked about you know the the split. There's the there's the view side, which is writing template based off um, events emitted by observables. On the other side is building that observable from your inputs and. On that side, um, you know, I'm trying. I, I, we have the uh, DRXJS reducer package, which is trying to do very much the same thing. So we're, we're trying to provide an example uh, or a package or a framework where you get all the the benefits out of RxJS. You get the timelines. Like that's that's the big thing. You get the timelines, man. <laughs> but you don't have to write any RxJS code. Like you, you, what you need to write is a reducer function that says, "Here's yeah. my events." 
And here's transitioning from discreetly one state to the next. This is how you get from, from one to the other. And those so, are probably similar to Redux and other yes. state management. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's uh, if you're familiar with Redux, the, the reducer model should seem like extremely mm -hmm. familiar. It's, it's writing the reducer function. <laughs> that's, and the reducer function is simply previous state, action, new state. And that, that's it. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, uh, it, if we can, if you can provide that function, you know, we can, the package can give you the, the timeline. And, and, and so what that does is, you know, when we're thinking about these things, we, we think about that timeline, you know, going back to the history book example, taking in that whole thing. Like that's the, when we put on our architect hats, that, that's what we should be thinking about is this big picture. But when we're implementing, that's too much to have in an engineer's mind. You know, you don't want to be thinking about that. You want to be thinking about like, you want to be zoning in on the one event. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's what like the reducer package is trying to do. We, we're taking that uh, dimension and exposing it. So as we as we look down on it as an architect, we can see okay, this is how things should behave. We can actually test on that level too, but we can also go down to a more discrete level at the engineer level and say okay, I don't need to worry about the timeline. Let me just think about how do I get from one state to the next, and and that's that's all the code you should be writing. And, and that's very testable too. Like uh, a reducer function is by by definition a, a pure function. So that's, awesome. that's great. Well, I think that is a great summary of everything that you have going on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I I think there's so much more to dive into that we can't do justice to <laughs> on video or audio. So definitely go check out uh, Zach's two articles on Dev2. Sounds like there's probably going to be a third one coming out soon, but. Yeah. Check out all these packages. Um, I think it's really neat uh, framework, if I will. I'll put the framework title on there that you have going on there. That may be too much. That may be giving me too much credit. <laughs> I think it's great. No, it's, it's a good library, at least. Thanks. Thanks. Um, so at this time, we are going to jump into our perfect picks. And like I said at the beginning, Zach is kind enough to uh, have provided some. So Zach, why don't you kick off our first one here? Yeah, yeah. So um, this is a audiobook I recently got. I'm, I'm a few chapters in, but uh, it's called Peak Bind, uh, written by a neuroscientist, I think at the University of Miami, uh, who focuses on human attention. And um, like beyond code, <laughs> one of the things I'm very enthusiastic about is, is communication. And um, being able to leverage attention, train attention, and like be able to, to master like our biology, <laughs> our, our, our ability as humans to like, uh, you know, communicate, but, but also I, I, think it, I think it goes to, to other uh, levels as well. I think I, I see it in my engineering as well. So very interesting read on learning how to, to take the tools you have as a human and refine them and make them better in terms of you know your mental capacity and your your capacity with attention. So highly recommend. I like that. This uh, I, I sent Brittany Atomic Habits, which I, yeah. I think is very very similar in thought. Kind of. I was just going to say I might have to pick this up after I read finish <laughs> Atomic Habits. Yeah. Atomic Habits is another one of my favorite. It's like yeah, it's really this um, this book, Peak Mind, Atomic Habits, and I think Deep Deep Work are like my trilogy of books. Nice. We need to read. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Uh, your next pick, I think Mr. Cross behind you probably, um, you know, made you do this one. No, no this is this is completely <laughs> voluntary. Um, NX, so so N- I work for Narwhal. NX is this really cool mono repo uh, tool set that's like more than just run mono repos. It's a really great way for architecting your code base in general, is my opinion. So we just came out with NX thirteen. Uh, we actually came out with 13.1 the day after Next.js released its latest uh, iteration. I think Angular's coming out with a new one too, and uh, I imagine we'll be pretty sh- soon after that with like a 13.2 for Angular 13. And Victor actually just released our roadmap for NX14. So if you're curious on everything NX will do from version 13 to 14, Here's here's the roadmap. <laughs> so. That's a fantastic company name too. I love Norval. Oh, awesome. Great logo too. So so it, interestingly, okay. it came from a uh, a dream of Jeff's one time. <laughs> so the, there's actually a, a version of Angular JS. So so before this was actually interesting to find out. They actually named um, a lot of their releases like uh, an adjective and then a noun. Um, and one of the releases was Prophetic Narwhal. <laughs> for, for, that was back when, uh, when, when Jeff and Victor were on the Angular team. So that's, that came from a dream <laughs> that Jeff had. <laughs> and, and then they made it a company. So Fantastic. There you go. We might have to talk afterwards. Uh, we, we have our setup in Lerna, and I've always wanted to go back to uh, NX setup, but I've only done it on Angular. So it would be cool to check out the yeah. uh, Next.js version. Yeah, and then we have we have recent things too that so you can do Lerna and NX in the same code base now. Oh, yeah, we're definitely gonna talk then. Sweet. There we go. <laughs> uh, you have a third pick as well. Yeah, this is seamless uh, self promotion. <laughs> so this is this is my podcast channel. I had a really great uh, conversation with two of my good friends, uh, Hicham and Yusef, and we talked. Uh, we're trying to get like on a regular uh, cadence, but we had some really good conversation on leadership and creating value as, as engineers and transitioning from engineer to like uh, leadership positions. So awesome! Yeah, yeah. same with self plug on that one. No, yeah. it, that's perfect. Love we it. accept Appreciate those it. too. Mine is going to be one too. So nice. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> Um, I think you might have kind of touched on my pick a little bit. Uh, Angular 13 just came out. Um, hoping to have someone on. Uh, I reached out to Frosty, by the way, uh, to, to chat about um, 13 and all the funness. I, I noticed one major thing that I was really impressed with. Um, I'm totally dropping the name right now. It's it's the um, language piece that came out. Uh, why can't I find it? Yeah, this language service piece. I was really impressed with their their new way of uh, kind of injecting that in and making it super simple to go through different languages. So for sure, check out all the different changes. I'm hoping we have a pod um, pretty soon on kind of breaking it down. There's a lot of cool stuff in there now. Uh, My second pick, obviously, is Frosty's breakdown of it. Uh, he did kind of a pre-breakdown. I, I don't know if that was because Angular was supposed to release and they released late or how that occurred, but uh, this is this is Aaron, or Frosty as we all like to call him. Um, his, his breakdown kind of pre-release, but it basically covers everything that's in there. So, nice. Brittany, your pick? 
And my pick is Svelte Sirens. It is, I'm hoping that this podcast is going to drop after Svelte Summit has happened and the announcement is out there. Um, we are a new Svelte Society for women and non-binary. Um, you can go to sveltesirens.dev and join the community. We have talks that are going to be available. Um, we're going to do them in the Svelte Discord starting out. So if you go to the events tab, Alex, um, you can see I'm going to do the first one on November 22nd on building design systems in SvelteKit. And then the talks will be available later on the talks route on our website. Cool. There's nothing awesome. there now. About cool we haven't logo. had any yet. I'm that still working on the website. Awesome. So, I love it. But hopefully by this point, it will be all done. Sweet. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Well, I just want to say huge thanks again, Zach, for coming on. I think it's a really neat library. I, I often like... RxJS kind of still amazes me and observable in the way they work. So huge props for uh, kind of taking that on and pushing it forward. I appreciate that. Again, all the props go to to Ben Lesh and all the work they do at the the real RxJS project. Yeah, you blew my mind a little bit today. So oh, that's <laughs> impressive. That's cool. Well, uh, if if I could really quick just plug some of the future things I, I want to do with the the package too. Um, yeah. I think we can allow it. Okay. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> the the pipeline dreams for this are you know like we we talked about the timeline testing providing a really cool UI uh, for generating those kind of tests. So the test you can actually run in Jest or Karma or, or what have you, uh, based off the UI and based off a really friendly one for creating your timelines for your inputs and your outputs and saying this is how things should look. So that's that's step one of, of DRXJS taking over the world. Step two <laughs> is taking all the data from generating these tests and understanding what the solutions to those are. So we can train AI to write all your state management code for you. Ugh. And so we'll all be out of jobs <laughs> or we'll, we'll just be writing the templates. <laughs> wow. That would yeah. be amazing. We'll, we'll see how, the, how that works. I would but, love um, to lose that job, by the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. We'll talk yeah. to you. Really appreciate y'all reaching out. Thanks so much. Thank you.